All right. Well, this morning we are um, looking at being in the Christmas season, and we think about many different things. Well, I just can't find what I had. It just won't come up, Terry. I had a, I had a song. Now it looks. It says free birds. I don't want free birds. <laughs> you know, that's not what I had on here. No. So, what I what's that? Turtle doves, whatever, free birds. There we go. Maybe maybe it'll play now. Not free birds. Uh, well, I'll put it on, and then when it arrives, it'll start just playing, and then I'll interrupt my message. Maybe. But anyhow, I wanted to, I wanted to play Andy Williams's. Um, it's a it's the most wonderful time of the year, and um, the reason for that is, it's the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> Because of Christmas. And many times when we think of Christmas and um, the holiday, we are placing ourselves in the, um, well, if you want to be, if you know, if you want to know what the best gifts are, just watch TV. <laughs> pay attention to the, pay attention to the advertisements. Look at all the discount things that you can get fr- through the mail and you'll just find the most wonderful things to buy for Christmas to prove that you love God and you love others. <laughs> Not true. So with the, with, uh, the Christmas has become this, um, uh, and again, I'm not knocking it, it's an, it becomes an opportunity for us to present Christ and Christ being the meaning of Christmas. The birth of Jesus is a topic that critics have long attacked. That even even at this time of the year, people, um, I, I, I saw a commentary in which people were mocking the idea of Christianity and mocking the idea of Christ. And if you need, if you need and if people need such a crutch, it, it's, it's good that there's something there for them to fall back on. And I thought, lady, you better get yourself straight because... That guy you're talking about falling back on, he's the king of kings and lord of lords. So, you know, just, just you know, pay attention to what you're doing and what you're saying. If you, even if you don't understand it, you don't have to knock it. And so we look at the scriptures and we, we remember the, you know, we'll look at the scriptures of creation. God created the heavens and the earth. We say, well, I don't know if God created, you know, it might have just been evolution. Well, at the end of the book of Revelation, God creates a new heaven and a new earth in which we are going to live with him forever. If he can't create the first one, how is he going to create the last one? (laughs) And if he did not create the first one, how is he going to create the one that we're going to spend an eternity with him in the future? So you see, everything everything that is in the scriptures is true. Now, it's not campfire stories. It's not made up uh, history, the wannabe dreamers of campfires and making up and trying to write down the, who, can, who can top the, the next or the last uh, miracle that someone talks about. It is, a, it is men of God. We believe the Bible was penned by the Holy Spirit, that he enabled men to receive God's divine thoughts and words to produce an authentic record of God's story of redemption. So when we look at Christmas and we look at the birth of Christ, and we are going to um, go over Luke chapter 1, verse tw- beginning at verse 26, 
But whenever we look at the Christmas story and we look at the events around uh, what Luke writes about in the Gospels, we find that those events are true. We find that those events that when Luke was researching the topic, when he was moved by God to look at and study and to see what happened during those times and interview people who were eyewitnesses and then to allow the Holy Spirit to inspire his, his writings, he says he's giving to us a chronological order of what has happened. So Luke moves from the very beginning um, um, with God's visit, the angel's visit to Zechariah and promise of John the Baptist, which we spoke of last week, and he goes through the entire ministry of Jesus to the resurrection, and Luke also writes the book of Acts into the early church. So Luke is writing to us and giving us a picture of a period of time that outlines for us the work of God and the, and the ministry of the Holy Spirit from its inception for the Christian, for the church, and in its not its conclusion. The book of Acts does not conclude because it's still going on today. We're part of the church. So we find that, the, and this is, it's kind of an astronomical thing to think, that the Bible was written over 1,500 years. It took 1,500 years from the beginning to the end of the book of Acts, or the end of the book of Revelation with John. So it took 1,500 years and more than 40 authors that some of them were kings and some of them were farmers, some were historians and some were fishermen, some were prophets and some were apostles. It was written in three languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, Greek, and four different geographical regions, the Middle East, Mesopotamia, Asia Minor, and Southern Europe. We look at that and we say, wow, how can it, it all has the same one who inspired it? So you couldn't, you know, we look at some of the other religions. You have one individual, one man, and you have somebody writing about him or them writing their own thoughts. And that's one individual. But for the, for the scriptures, we have 1,500 years of God speaking and working through mankind and calling him from the very beginning with Moses and in you know, a writing in the history of Adam and the beginning of creation right on through for the... Um, Children of Israel being born and go, you know, being um, sheltered in Egypt and under Joseph and coming out of Egypt after 400 years. How do you create a nation? How do you make a nation? Well, God created a nation in its captivity. Well, then in the prophets talk about how that God will create the nation of Israel in the day. In 1948, it was a resolution passed in the UN that Israel would become a nation in a day. So you see, the scriptures, they are authentic. They present to us the truth. And if we are willing to see the truth for what it is, as it is written, we will find that it speaks to us of God's endeavor to work with us, to redeem us from our sins, and to f for us to find our place in the kingdom of God. So in, in, John, in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, the birth of Jesus, foretold. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth to a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, 
you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. So, picking up where we kind of left off last week, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. So, what we have is the beginning. <laughs> the prophets told that before, before Christ would come, one like Elijah would come and be the forerunner of, who Jesus, of Christ and, and the Messiah. Well, we have Elizabeth and Zechariah having, um, she has, she's pregnant with a, a, a son, and <laughs> they didn't have, um, they didn't have uh, sonar things to find, is it a boy or is it a girl? <laughs> you know, <laughs> the grams, sonograms, you know. Okay, that was my joke. Uh <laughs> I've, I've been in the hospital too much. Right? And so we... They, you know, it's a boy, they're having a son. And so what happens is, in the sixth month of her pregnancy, well, this is a very important time because Elizabeth would have, um, pro she would have spent about five months in seclusion because she, you know, she's, she's old. <laughs> and it doesn't give her age, so I don't, you know, she's probably older than any of us. <coughs> Just kidding. That's not in the scripture. That was just an ad lib. You know, you're allowed to smile. And, you know, God has a sense of humor. He never made us. You know, it's like he told me uh, a joke this morning. He says, you know, I, I've never seen the pastor's eyes. I says, what? Yeah, I've never seen the pastor's eyes. Well, what do you mean, never seen the eyes? He says, when he prays, he closes his eyes and Praise to heaven. And then when he starts speaking, I close mine. <laughs> Thank you for the joke. <laughs> so uh, don't take that up. I'm, you know, I'm, it reminds me of another joke. The, the preacher is preaching, and the, there's a guy snoring in the back. You know, and He tells the usher, wake that guy up. And the usher says, you put him to sleep, you wake him up. That would be one Ruth would tell me. That's a, yeah, you put him to sleep, you wake him up. So anyhow, um, God sent the angel Gabriel to the town of Nazareth to make an announcement. In verse 27, this announcement was made to a virgin who was betrothed to Joseph. Now, the importance of the virgin birth cannot be overstated. If Jesus was not born of the virgin, if the Holy Spirit did not come upon her and um, conceive of conceive God in her womb, then all of, all of the teachings and all of the events of the New Testament are awash. Because it was telling us God was becoming man. And he was the incarnation of God. But he was still God. He set aside his divinity. He did not give it up. He set aside his divinity to become human so that we as humans could have relationship with God. Now, if you think about what God was doing, that in the Old Testament it talks about how without the shedding of blood there's no remission of sins. So it was all on the animal sacrifices, the shedding of blood. They put their hand on the animal. It was as a, a transference of their sin to the animal. They would kill the animal. The blood would be taken to the altar as a, an atonement for their sins. And the Old Testament sacrifice was about the covering of sin. In Christ's death, you see, God did not change the penalty. 
because he was paying the price. The penalty was the same. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. His blood was shed for the sin of humanity so that we could have this right relationship with God. So God did not change the rules. He fulfilled them. He knew before the foundation of the earth, before the earth began, that man would sin. People say, well, why would he do that? Why would he create us so that we, that we would make mistakes and he'd have to come and die for us? He did it for you. He did it for us. He loves us. He loves us that much. And he was not willing to make us robots. He made us people who could make choices. We are people... <laughs> We are people of the cross, but we are, God has made us with the ability to choose. Choose this day whom you will serve. Every, in our actions, in our, in our life, even with Christmas, choose who you're going to serve. Are we going to serve commercialism? No, does that mean, I remember when I was a kid uh, in church, this one boy, you know, we didn't get a lot of stuff at Christmas, you know, um, got maybe one or two things. But this one boy came to church, and he, w he didn't have a, he w they weren't allowed to have Christmas trees. That wasn't our church thing, but that was his family's thing. And he got a belt for Christmas, a belt. And I thought, whoa. <laughs> you know, I got, I don't remember what I got, but I got stuff, you know. Uh, I got a train. I still have it. It's up in a box in the, in the garage. If any of you want to pay me lots of money for it, I'll sell it to you. <laughs> Just kidding. You know, sometimes we have to recognize who we are. You know, we're just, we're just trying to do our best at, what we, at who we are. And understanding about Christmas and the virgin birth, um, the Holy Spirit came upon Mary. Whenever we confess Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit comes upon us, comes into our heart, changes us from the inside out. Believing in the scriptures and believing in the plan of God, you can't do it unless you have Christ in your heart. Now, it doesn't mean you instantly understand everything, but we do believe in the, the essentials, and that is that Christ has died for our sins, he rose from the dead, and whenever we confess our sins, our name is written in his book of life, and we're going to live forever. Now we begin our walk with God. So as we see the Holy Spirit coming upon Mary, uh, she was betrothed to Joseph. Most of the time we don't understand that word betrothal, but it means they are legitimately and legally married, but they don't live together. They have not had physical relations as a husband and wife. She is betrothed. And this was a very important time period for the... Um, the betrothal period before the husband and wife. They had to be betrothed for a period of time. And she said that, uh, the, the some have rendered this, that to a virgin of the house of David, espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, and the virgin's name was Mary. So they were legally and naturally the parents of Jesus. Legally, the father naturally the mother. Joseph was not the father, but as the, as the husband, he was legally the, of the household of David. Mary is naturally the mother of Jesus. She is of the household of David. 
And that's very important because in the Old Testament, it talks about how that the Messiah, the one who is to come, would come from the house of David, house in the day and lineage of David. Verse 28, And the angel said to her, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. <laughs> highly favored. Do you know that's the same word that goes with you and I, that, the, that we have the grace of God, that we have the unmerited favor of God upon our life? That we would say, you know, and I've thought of it, you know, in the past, she was highly favored, so it means that she was more favored than you and I. But highly favored is that we are favored of God because he has called each of us. Now, what sets Mary apart is her virtue. Her, her virtue and her desire to serve God and be God's servant in, in her own life before even the angel showed up and spoke to her. So, ver Ephesians 1, 6, and it brings praise to God because he is wonderfully and because of his wonderful, glorious grace. That God gave that grace to us freely in Christ. The same grace, it's not a, sec it's not a secondary grace, it's the same grace that um, was given to Mary is given to us. We'll go on, verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled at the words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Think about this. She's a young girl. She's maybe 15, 16. She's, she's young, and that was the time in which be, be, she was betrothed to be married. And, you know, the average age probably made 30. <laughs> so if they were lucky, some made it older, but many did not live that long. So if they were, you know, if a person was going to be betrothed, generally the husband was older and had a job or had some type of uh, trade, and he would have a younger wife. And so that's how the betrothal period would go, that, you know, you've seen um, matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. That's from, come on, dear. Fiddler on the roof. <laughs> Fiddler on the roof, matchmaker, matchmaker. So people would match, you know, there would be these matchmaking going on between families. And so the matchmaking had taken place. Joseph was going to be the father, Mary was going to be the, the wife, and they were betrothed together. He had a job, he had a trade, and his, this Mary would be well taken care of. So, the doctrine of the virgin birth of Christ teaches us that Jesus was divinely conceived in the virgin Mary's womb by the Holy Spirit, thus bringing together two natures the deity and humanity. He is without sin. The prophet Isaiah wrote, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Isaiah wrote this. Hundreds of years before it happened. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. The Hebrew word for virgin is only used seven times in the scriptures. And it always refers to this... Um, this individual, this lady, who was pure and unmarried. And we find that in, in every appearance, the word refers to morally pure, unmarried woman, 
not just a girl. There are some translations that would say the virgin or, or, or a young woman, a young girl. No, it's not what it means. It is that she was pure, she was never married, she had never had relationships with a man. This passage that we are reading teaches us that Jesus is of heaven. He is the Son of God. He isn't something less than that. He is the Son of God, who was miraculously born through Mary without the assistance of a man, conceived by the Holy Spirit. It is God becoming flesh. Verse 30. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Do not be afraid. Our relationship with God is nothing to be afraid of. God will never cast us out. God shows up and he speaks to you. He's not going to condemn you. He's going to draw you in. He's going to speak to our hearts to bring us closer to him. And he ain't, do not be afraid. <laughs> These are the same words that Gabriel spoke to Zechariah just in verse 13 of this chapter. And what has happened with Mary? She has found favor with God. It is a declaration about Mary, her spirituality, and the way she has lived her life before God. She was noticed by God for her spirituality, for her searching and longing for God. Verse 31, call his name Jesus. This name corresponds with the Old Testament name Joshua, which means Yahweh saves, or God saves. So and, and it was one of those situations where they were all praying and this, at that time period. They were searching and praying for the Messiah, wanting the Messiah to come. <coughs> and the historians say that it was very common for all the young girls to be pray, would pray that they would be the one through whom the Messiah would come. And it also says, verse 32, he will be great. The same promise was made to John the Baptist, but there's a difference because he said that the next title that Jesus was set apart is the son of the highest, the son of the most high God. That's who Jesus is. Verse 33 again, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Each of these phrases are so important to the birth, the identity, the understanding of Jesus coming and being born in Bethlehem. I'll give you a tidbit that I, I learned this week. Did you know that Mary did not ride a donkey? Nowhere in the scriptures does it say she was on a donkey. Probably she walked <laughs> the entire trip. Okay, ladies, you want to have a baby, nine months pregnant? Let's take a hike for about, I don't know how many miles it is, 10, 15 miles. Maybe it's nine miles. But um, let's take a little hike. <laughs> so Mary walked the distance. And as, we, as we'll go there, maybe next week, that divine providence. Mary is in Nazareth, but you see the promise says, the baby will be born in Bethlehem. That's the Old Testament promise. And so Mary and Joseph 
they're having, they know that this, the, the son, the, the, the child in Mary's womb is divine because Joseph knows that he's not the father. And the angel told Joseph, hey, it's, uh, it's God. It's the, the Holy Spirit has come upon her. Mary knows this because she's conceived and the Holy Spirit is upon her. So they know it is divine, but they're not in the right place. And so Herod sends out a decree. She has to go to Bethlehem. And it's divine providence. There's no room. Huh. Imagine that. People, Christmas time, whatever, they don't have room for the Christ child. So we'll go on. That's next week's sermon. So just give you a little teaser. Mary says, how will this be? That's an important question. She doesn't understand all of this. She doesn't understand what the angel's saying to her. She, she, the angel says, you're going to have a child. And she goes, okay. Okay. How? <laughs> that was not a doubt. That was an acceptance needing an explanation. Zachariah says, hey, I'm an old man. My wife's the old lady. <laughs> they probably throw that in there. Yeah, and we can't have kids. How are you going to make this happen? Well, Mary doesn't do that. She doesn't say, you know, oh, hey, I can't have that. She says, be it unto me according to your word, but how is it going to happen? Hers isn't one of doubt. Hers is one of questioning. Did you ever pray and wonder how it was going uh, to be answered? So that's Mary. This is the important part, I think. Elizabeth, 30, verse 36, Elizabeth, your relative, is the one who is barren and, and is with child. And she is going to have a son. The angel tells Mary that your cousin Elizabeth, she's having a child, you know, the one who was barren. Got to put that in there. And the angel is telling her this, and... And she's going to have a son. How does she know? How does the angel know? <laughs> because he knows everything. And so, and she is in the sixth month of her pregnancy. And Mary, what does she do? Verse 37. For the word of God will never fail, or for with God nothing will be impossible. So nothing will be impossible. See, another phrase in this whole scenario of what is being stated. Nothing is impossible with God. A virgin conceiving, a elderly couple beyond and always have been barren are going to have a child. Nothing is impossible. Verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. I want you to know who I am. I am God's servant. That was the Mary that was noticed by God. It wasn't, you know, hey, I'm pretty righteous. I am God's servant. I've come to do your will. I'm here to do your will. Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. When we pray, we have a reason for praying. We have a hope. We have an understanding of the scriptures. It isn't a wish list. 
It's an understanding of what God is saying to us in the scriptures. And whenever we take those scriptures, apply them to our life, and we make our prayers. So our prayers are made up of things that we see or understand of the scriptures. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a new frozen (laughs) or chosen, you know. Verse 39. At that Mary got ready and hurried to the town in the hill country of Judea, which was a distance of about, is about 40 miles. Why was Mary in such a hurry to go see Elizabeth, 40 miles away? Well, let me put it to you this way. If an angel showed up to you and said, you're going to have a child, okay? Be it unto me according to your will, nothing is impossible, okay. But I want you to know, 40 miles away from here is your cousin who is, Beyond, you know, the one who's barren, she's, she's got a child and she's six months pregnant. Okay. Let me go see if she's six months pregnant. <laughs> is what this guy telling me correct? And, and is this angel telling me the truth? That I'm going to have a child and here's the verification of it. Elizabeth ha- is six months pregnant. I've got to go see her and make sure she is having a child. When she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that came upon Mary to conceive is the same Holy Spirit that was anointing of of Elizabeth, and the baby, John the Baptist, in her womb leaped (laughs) because she she heard the sound of Mary's voice. He heard the sound of Mary's voice. In a loud voice, 42, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the the child you will bear. How does Elizabeth know she's having a child? Her divine conception is not even, probably not even a month old. There's not even a month old baby in her womb. And Elizabeth comes forth with a declaration, Blessed are you among women, because blessed is the child that you will bear. She didn't have any knowledge of that until Mary showed up and spoke, and the Holy Spirit spoke through her. The Holy Spirit spoke through Elizabeth. (laughs) Verse 43. But why am I so favored? This is Elizabeth saying, Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Here's this lady, six months, pregnant, old, old age, having a child. Mary shows up, and immediately, and immediately, she gets a phone call and says, (laughs) be quiet, (laughs) and she says, you are the mother of my Lord. Wow. You are the mother of my Lord. That's God that spoke to Elizabeth and the, the spirit moved in her and the baby leaped in her and she says, you are the mother of my Lord. How would it be that you would come to me? Verse 44, And as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears and the baby in my womb leaped for joy, it was a supernatural prompting by the Holy Spirit. Then finally, verse 45. 
Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. Elizabeth is saying this about Mary. Blessed are you because you have believed that God will fulfill his promise of a Messiah in you. Mary needed a confirmation, perhaps. She got it. It was a divine confirmation, just as real as the angel that spoke to her. She now knew for sure that it wasn't a hysteria, it wasn't a dream, it wasn't something, it was, you know, that she should forget it was something going to happen in her and in her life. And she took on this responsibility, a 15, 16-year-old girl that is going to be shunned by her community. She is, she is, perhaps she can be stoned for her infidelity and that she could die for allowing this to happen to her. And she understood all of this. Behold the handmaiden of the Lord. Be it unto me according to your word. You see, life is not about altering it. Life is about allowing God to speak to us. Allowing his word to speak to our hearts and lives that we would believe because nothing is impossible to those who believe. So some of the things we need to take away from this, the incarnation, God became flesh and dwelt among us. That this great event came through a poor, remote, poor girl in a remote village, a young virgin who was noticed by God. We know that nothing is impossible and blessed are those who believe. God's divine favor that was on Mary is on you. Amen. Jesus, we thank you for hearing our prayers. We thank you for your word and how that it has spoken to our hearts and lives. We've read these scriptures many times over. And Lord, we thank you for the revelation that you give to us each time. And today, as our needs are, <laughs> so Lord, your, your, your word will speak to us. We pray that the Holy Spirit would touch our lives in a way that will heal our hearts that we will forgive, we will ask you for forgiveness. We will forgive those who have offended us. Lord, we will accept your love. Just as the angel Gabriel spoke to Mary, so the Holy Spirit speaks to us that we are highly favored, that you have come to set us free from our sins. You have created a liberty where we are able to pray and say thank you for my life. And God, we ask you to take over our life. Give us wisdom and guidance through each day. We pray for your healing for those who are ill. We pray for your strength for those who feel weak. We pray, Lord, for your love and your hands to hold our hearts that we may find your grace and your divine favor that is already here for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Amen. God bless you.